Welcome back. You're listening to episode 24 of Double Hoppy Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast taking the pulse of the beer and brewing scene. I'm James, home brewer and beer enthusiast. And I'm Shannon, and now a beer intermediate. Woo! Beer intermediate. I just made that title for myself. Yeah, no longer <laughs> a beer novice. Yeah, I think I, I earned it. I think you did. So this week we are going to be talking about canning homebrews and sharing some tips and tricks we learned from our experience as well as feedback from fellow homebrewers. But first, James, I think you took a little brewery adventure. Where did you go this time? Without me. Again. I did. Again. 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 <laughs> yeah, that seems to happen from time to time. It does. But this time, at least, I was joined up by an old friend. Well, I shouldn't say old because... Are you calling him old, old or that we've known him for a while? I was going to say a friend, but just like, I don't know, like it seems more comforting when you say like an old friend, like... That feeling you get when it's just like refreshing. I don't know. Well, where'd you go? So we went to Vitamin C, S-E-A, Brewing. Thank you for clarifying that because I thought it was a brewery named after the artist who sang the graduation song. The the Vitamin C. Vitamin C, graduation song. Well, a lot of people, when they're, they're talking about breweries, they say Vitamin C and they're like, oh, I couldn't find it because we typed in Vitamin C and all we could get was supplement. Yeah, like the actual the v- vitamin. actual vitamins, and so that's kind of really funny. I did the same thing too, so don't worry if you guys have done that. But yeah, it was it was a night after work, and uh, Nick, who was on our show in episode fifteen, he was the first behind the bar series that we highlighted, and he was is a bartender at Percival Brewing, and also the head coffee roaster at Coffee. Coffee. Coffee Roasting Company. Roasting Company. And so we met up, and it was a really good time. We had a couple beers. The only negatives that I could see with this brewery that a lot of people seemed to be, like, discussing at the tables was that most of their menu was all IPAs. Yeah, I You would have been a little disappointed. Someone I work with said that there's a lot of IPAs, but um, Barrel House C, which is down the street, has... Some fruitier beers and sours, so she likes that better. But I, I probably wouldn't have been in my element if I was with you. So the 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 space was a decent amount of space. They went for the approach of more like the shared communal seating. So they had like the wooden, uh, almost like picnic style bench tables, but they were kind of like they were stained a little darker. They weren't as like the seats weren't as wide as your normal picnic table, oh. which was nice. And they had some nice Edison light lighting and the decor. So if you check out our Instagram page, there's some photos of mm-hmm. what the brewery looked like. And it was just, they had two doors, one that said for cans, one that said to, for the tap room, but it was the same difference. I think I walked in the can entrance <laughs> when I got there and I kind of, then when I, place. yeah, got to the same place anyway. And. Unfortunately, it didn't look like it was a dog-friendly brewery, but I did see people that were just parking their cars quickly and just grabbing, like, a four-pack. And so there was a couple dogs in the parking lot. But uh, from what I gather from Nick, who his work is, I think, like, three or five minutes away from this brewery, and it's just, he says it's more of a place where you just kind of pick up cans to go, or, like, that's what most people Mm -hmm. he's seen does. Oh, wait, I forgot to tell you. I just, what? sorry, I was just thinking about the dogs. What? In the park. I was stuck on the dogs in the parking lot and I just remembered something that happened when I was getting, sorry, side story. This is not beer related. Um, this I is going to be a who let the dogs out story. No, I was, sure. I was picking up Strider from daycare and I put him in the car and there was a car next to us that had a dog in it, like sticking its head out the front window. And I was like, Strider's like dogs, obvi- do, like dogs yeah. do. And Strider's obviously freaking out like he usually does. Not in an aggressive way, but he just likes to bark at other dogs, being like, oh my God, there's a dog here. I'm so excited. And Strider, meaning our Australian oh, Shepherd. Yeah, our dog. Sorry, not like. Not, not like, a, like a the Lord of the Rings character who's just like Aragon sitting in the back, in the back of my seat. car all the time. Um, so he's like freaking out, and I'm trying to get his leash and like pull him back because he's trying to jump up on the window and then I'm like I turn around I'm like why is it cold in here and I turn around and he has the window he like put the back window down in my car and I was like what the heck and the woman in the car next to me is literally like laughing her head off because I am yelling at Strider trying to grab his collar from my like from the driver's side seat I am parked folks I was not driving this was parked in the parking lot this is not carpool karaoke with Strider 
So, so I'm like trying beware. to grab his collar, get his leash. So he's like off the window and I'm trying to like roll the window back up and her like cute little French bulldog is literally just like gazing at me with his fat little chubby cheeks from the window. And the woman's just like hysterically laughing. And I'm like, I mean, it was just my, that was like my whole day anyways. So it was just the cherry on top of the cake, but having dogs. The cherry dogs, on top of the cake? What cakes are you having oh, that have cherries <laughs> on top of it? This isn't ice cream. This isn't an ice cream sundae. on top of the sundae. What's the... What, isn't there like a phrase about something on top? I don't. I don't. Know. I don't icing I on top of the yes. cake. Icing, not cherries. I'm on telling top you, of the cake. that's how my day is going. Oh my! Uh, sorry, goodness. You mentioning dogs in the parking lot just made me think of the. I was like, but I was like, who sits in the car with your dog? Like, just go home. What are you doing? But anyway, sorry. Shannon's digging nice my homebrew right now, so. Bear with us, listeners. It's not. Why? <laughs> this thing is four and a half percent. It is four and, and a half percent. I've had like half You've a glass. You've had half a glass, so. I'm not your mother. I'm not your mother. I, I love um, you. Oh, my poor mom. Mother-in-law. M-I-L. You're awesome. <laughs> but she will attest to it. So well, that's a not, funny story because Han, my brother, who we talked about in the last episode, he actually ended up listening to that episode. And he's like, thanks a lot for uh, mentioning me. But thanks for mentioning me in the first 10 minutes because I have a 10-minute commute. And I go, well, you're lucky. So. Yeah. Well, he's in the first 10 minutes of this one, too. So, hi, Hans. Oh, hey, Hans. This is for you. Anyways, so this week, we are going to talk about our experience with canning some of your homebrews. Yeah. So, I still have a couple homebrews that are still in the fermenters. They're just painstakingly close to where I want them to be final gravity-wise. And I did drop the uh, yeast out of my IPA today. So for those of you who don't know what that means, in my SS Brewtech Unitank, there's a valve on the very bottom. So it's kind of, it looks like it's got a loop at the bottom. And there's one valve where be my racking arm where I will attach to either my beer gun or my keg to where I'll transfer it out. And then there's another connection at the very bottom of the tank that basically where all your yeast will settle down all that trube that you'll get if you do hot trube it's called trube it's where you have like all the hops all that it kind of looks like that nasty green mesh at the bottom trube i mean you've cleaned you clean you you cleaned the uh, i was like how the heck am i supposed to get this crap out of here yeah and luckily, I'm like, don't put that down the sink because you will regret yeah, that. Yeah, put it in the backyard where our dog can eat it. No, put it in the backyard in the, behind the fence where he can't get it. Okay. But anywho, any brewways. <laughs> okay. <laughs> nice try. So, yeah, I just opened that bottom valve into a pitcher that I had to get rid of that sediment that's at the bottom and just kind of clear it out a little bit. So I did that today, checked the final gravities. They're not ready quite yet. Probably next week we will be transferring it into kegs um, to then hopefully can if it's good. Yeah. Well, we have to bring it for our friends to try, so we have to get it. Yeah, we're going on a big uh, ski snowboarding trip into Vermont in a couple weeks. Mm -hmm. So I want to make sure that we have that for all of our friends to enjoy. Yeah. So I know they're looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully... They're of the caliber that's drinkable. I, I don't think I'll can something that's not. Yeah, well, I may do taste it first before we can it. So. Yeah. But. Yeah, for sure. So the Blondale's going, and this is the first Blondale that I've done. An IPA uh, that's going to be the Warrior Princess. Really. That's me. Yeah. Shannon's face is just like the Warrior Princess. Like, what? You out. wish. Karate, black belt, what up? Also, I heard someone say that they were playing karate today, and I was like, that is how do you play not karate? how it works. <laughs> you don't play karate. That would be a good She's beer like, name, playing oh my god, playing they were playing karate. karate, and they were so good at it. I'm like, you don't play karate. Oh, good god. So, next week, I'm also going to dry hop both of my beers. Um, oh, good, because bl- I thought you forgot. I saw them still in the fridge, and I was like, uh-oh. Are these supposed to be in here? Yeah, no. The, the cashmere hops for the Blondale, it's going to be probably like half ounce, maybe an ounce I'm going to do for that, for the dry hopping. And then the Xena hops for the IPA are going to be an ounce. So I'm really excited to see how the Warrior Princess turns out using the Xena hops. I haven't used this particular hop before. Mm-hmm. It's a Minnesota, I believe, based that? hop, I believe. 
And so I'm excited to use it. So we'll see. You sound so enthused. Well, that's <laughs> that's me thinking like I hope I didn't waste all this time, effort on something that's good, not going to come out well. Gotcha. Well, sometimes you have to learn that way. But So if you were going to can at home, James, what would you need? So this is something that's like really fascinating and it's also kind of quite amazing actually that we can can our own beer on a home brewer scale. I think this has never really been done before in the last probably 10, 10 years from now that there's no way anyone could possibly think about affording a canning. Because mm-hmm. you think of canning and you think of these huge machines. Like the belts and it comes down yeah, and, it and even around. We and... hear from craft breweries that are just starting out that you know, it's just so expensive. And what they end up doing is they end up going from the soda companies yeah. and you and they're upgrading their equipment. So they, it's more of like they're upgrading their equipment. So you get kind of like... I think the, Wachusett, the didn't they buy from Coca-Cola? And oh, a lot, a lot of yeah. companies buy from either Coca-Cola, I remember one of our Pepsi. first like tours there, they were talking about how they got their candy machines from yeah. Coca-Cola. Granted, you don't need to can, you know, thousands of... Be- I know, it's not like we've got in like, like a minutes, mass you know. Happening. So it took us about an hour to do one batch of homebrew canning, mm-hmm. which would have been about like probably out of the twelve ounce bottles, probably would have been like two cases worth. Uh, so, all right. So, what equipment do you need for canning? You need number one, the can seamer. That's probably like the most important yeah. thing you can buy. And we'll be talking about some of those options a little later, right? Yeah, exactly. You'll need, obviously, the empty cans, as many sizes. There's the 16-ounce cans. There's more of your standard short cans, the 12-ounce, about 12-ounce, probably a little less than that. And you're going to need a CO2 tank with either a dual regulator or two CO2 tanks. And you're like, what the heck is a regulator? Well, I just, I'm thinking it's like one of those things you wear when you scuba dive. You know, and you put it in your mouth to get your air. Well, I mean, like the canister, like the tank. Uh, yeah, it looks very like similar, a scuba except diving instead tank. of CO two, it's oxygen because yeah, God you're forbid just you're just CO2 pumping into CO two. That's you not what not you want. Be alive. And uh, most CO two tanks that you buy uh, will come empty, so you will have to either go to your local homebrew shop, or you can look online to. There's lots of companies out there that do different gases, and you you can bring your empty CO2 tank to them to get it filled. And one of the funniest things with CO2 tanks is you can get this brand new shiny CO2 tank online and then you go to get it filled and what you trade it in to get it filled if they don't fill it on site. Like, Mm -hmm. so a lot of homebrew shops, they'll fill it on site if they have a partnership with a gas company. Otherwise you have to go to these other places where they'll give you, You'll trade that in, and you'll get this rusty looking CO two tank. You're like, here's my back. brand new tank, and I'm like, oh, what thanks. the heck? Like, I just bought this; it's brand new, and they're just like, yeah, it's got C. But then I'm like, wait a minute, I don't give a crap what it looks like on the outside because it's the CO two that I need. No one's gonna see it if it's in the fridge. It's what's on the inside that matters, James. You should be on the bachelor because that's something like the bachelor would say. Yeah, my professor would just be like. Shannon loves dogs. Like that would be my job because people on that show have the most ridiculous lives. But anyways, if I was on that show, I'd show up and I'd just be in like a giant keg. Like you just pop, like you pop out of a keg, like people pop out of cakes. And I just have like faucets on my back, being like, "You want to?" No, now you just sound weird. That sounds like a deformity. That's how they're they're all weird. Okay, (laughs) everyone on that show is weird. That sounds like you're a villain in a Spider-Man movie with like. I don't know, like okay. a doc, like a doc think, ox, right, but think full of, of right. beer. Think of this: if the first time that I met you, you were hiding in a suitcase, and someone rolled you up in a suitcase, and you just unzipped the suitcase and was like, "Here I am." <laughs> I'd be like, "I'm about to get murdered. I gotta go. Bye." I would be like, "I would peace run away. out, peace out." Like you're crazy. I'd be like, "This crazy psycho lady just came out of a suitcase." <laughs> so suitcases aside, you so you'll need your CO2 tank with. Your dual regulator. So what that means is there's two connections on the bottom where one you can have going into your keg that has your carbonated beer. And the other line will then go to your beer gun. So in my case, I use a Blickman beer gun. 
Shane, Shane just giving me like the like death stare as she's filling up her glass with my homebrew. I was just kind of like my glass. <laughs> you're giving me the face of like, yeah, that's right. I'm drinking your beer that we you made. Well, I'm it also made us like a splashing sound. So I was like, uh oh, everyone's gonna hear that I'm refilling this glass right now. But you're talking about your Blickman beer gun. Please continue. I was listening as this happened. So in addition to the beer gun, which basically it just allows you to. Fill either you can fill bottles with your beer gun too, and that was probably one of the biggest advancements I had to my bottling that really did help out instead of siphoning. Yeah, it's just e- it's faster or easier. It's a lot faster. Yeah. It's a lot cleaner. Um, a lot less risk involved of contaminating your beer, and you're gonna want to have your sanitizer labels if you want. Labels is definitely something like as a can. It's ni- really nice to have because why would you spend all the money to can if you're not going to go ahead and create a label? So on a home brewer scale, there's many different options you have out there. We're going to briefly talk about it in this episode, and we're going to go into it in a little bit more detail in a future episode. But for now, you can either make your own labels at home. There's different options for doing that. Yep. I did it for my home brews with the bottles. Mm-hmm just using a regular printer and stuff, but then you run into, they're not waterproof. Yeah. They kind of drip. They don't look as good. They're not, you can't really play with it as much. Yeah. Uh, And then there's also websites out there that you can get official, like they look official. They, they're really good for home brewers. Uh, Cost wise, they vary. But for us, like I used um, Grog Tag Yep. And they were really great, great customer service. The designs I was able to play with, they had different sections for like if you were going to bottle beer or if you want to can beer. So they had a few different options out there. Yeah. And they had some like preset templates too that you can just input your own designs into. So like the templates were already set. So like one of my big things when I created my labels, just using like, Adobe or Word or one of those things and just putting it into like one of those printers safe modes was like the functionality of like you'd have to play with all the design aspects where this you just input your images your words whatever you wanted so it was so seamless in that aspect yeah and you were able to see it like on the can like you will see like a visualization like a 3d yeah they had a 3d rendering which was really nice yeah that's cool the only negative was like even though it was for like a can design it the 3D rendering was on a bottle. Mm-hmm. So that was like my one con with that kind of like rendering, but I'm sure that's going to evolve, evolve over yeah. time. So that wasn't, didn't bother me. I just wanted to make sure that it was readable. Yeah. That like my clarity. design ca- clarity came across. So Grog Tag is definitely, if you're a home brewer, check them out. And there, it was really fast shipping too. Oh, it was extremely fast. We it got was it. Like, we what, did. Two I days did later? flat rate yeah. standard shipping and it was within three days that yeah, I got it. It was really fast. So. But. So definitely check them out if you're interested. And we'll talk about beer can labeling and homebrew bottling labels in a future episode coming up. So make sure you tune in for that. So once you've got all of that, so the, the most important thing was the seamer for the can. So what are some of those that you can look up? So there's quite a few options out there, but on the homebrew scale, there's really only two in my mind. Okay. And the first is the October Design Seamer, and they've gained a lot of traction recently. And they're the more, I want to say, appealing option in terms of, like, the flashiness of, you know, it's kind of sleeker. It's a little bit, like, if you're really dedicated and you want to do crowlers, too, they have options that even go to breweries. So, mm-hmm. We have a little bit more options, but the one we're going to focus on is comparable is like the homebrewer scale. So they're SL1 homebrewer, and that's for $879. Like, wow. Sticker shock on that one. And But they do 12 ounce cans and 16 ounce cans. And you can get a 16 ounce cans package of a about 192 on their website right now for $76. Hmm. Uh, it, but so the best time, here's what I want to say. So if you're a serious home brewer, 
and you're used to doing bottles and you're just sick of just filling, you know, numerous bottles and cleaning all the bottles. I mean, it's going to be about the same amount of work as far as cleaning cans. I'm not going to lie about Mm -hmm. that. You still have to sanitize your cans. And you have to purge the cans with CO2 first using your preferably your beer gun. Best time to buy a canning machine is Black Friday. I learned this, number one, this year, and that's why I ended up actually getting a canning machine is because it got to the point where I could actually afford to get a canning machine. Yes. So uh, October design this year for Black Friday, they did $100 off. Okay, okay. So you're all in price for the canning machine and cans would be $955. Is that including tax? It's it's not including tax. Okay, so. So it's about there. About that, okay. About that. So the second option is the Keglands Cannular Can Seamer, which you can find on More Beer, their website, and other websites. Um, it's a little bit bulkier. It's a little wider of a canning machine, but not by much. It weighs about 40 pounds, and their price is $450, but you have to buy the Say power what? supply... Separate for $75. Oh, that's not bad. So that comes to $525 if you go that route. Mm -hmm. They also had like another power option for less money, but it was more like you had to have a battery and this and that. So it was just easier. It's probably worth the extra money to get the power supply. Yeah. And one of like the biggest negatives that they had for reviews was this fact that like you're going to sell us this machine. But then, no we have to to buy, yeah. but then we have to buy the power supply. That's kind of like a dick move, like people were saying. Like, why would you yeah. do that? Um, but when you price it out, it's 525 versus the 879 you know, mm-hmm. right there yeah. for the cost of the machine itself. So they also did a Black Friday deal, and they did the Black Friday deal for $350. That's good. So you could get the machine for $350 or... 800 and whatever dollars. Yeah. So $779 mm-hmm. was the Black Friday deal for the other one. And their cans are also 16, like 16.9 ounces, 16 ounces about there. You can get 207 cans for $99. Okay. So a little bit more, so but you get a more little bit cans. more. You get a couple more cans. So your all in price for this canning machine, the cannular would be about $624. Without the Black Friday deal. Just without normally. the Black. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the one you we got, right? So but yeah, so your yeah. your all in price would be six twenty four versus nine fifty five. So that's just kind of like the price point difference. So it's about a four hundred dollar difference. Um, so just take that as what you will. People, I've heard great stories with both, and so we went with the Kegland because yep. just price point, it was it was the better deal, and I probably wouldn't have done it without. The Black Black Friday Friday deal. Like, I'm like, I'm not spending $500 on just the canning machine. Yeah. But I think everyone can, you know, if you're interested in getting one, definitely look them up and take a look to see what you, which one you like better, if you like the look of one over the other. So. Yeah. And and definitely wait, too, if you're thinking, like, saving $100. You need right now. Saving $100 on both, that's major. That's like another recipe if you do a five-gallon batch. Yeah. A little bit of a recipe, yeah. but. So we used it uh, to can your Summit Run Spiced Ale. Which came which out I'm amazing. Drinking right now. And Shannon compared it. I was like shocked that like instantly she drank it and she's like, wow, this is so close to Cisco Brewing's Grey Lady. Grey Lady, yeah. which you love and you drink. Mm-hmm. It's like one of my favorite beers. And that's probably why you're drinking my homebrew right now. Yeah. It's also not an IPA, so. But that's amazing <laughs> that, like, my first try at the the style came so close to one that you actually really like. So. Yeah, it just it reminded me of it. Yeah. So we found when we did our canning session, there were some tips that we, we talked about afterwards that we thought would have been helpful to kind of know beforehand or things we'd wish we'd done a little bit better. So we um, we did sanitize the cans, obviously because we don't want anything to get in the beer and make it taste nasty after it's in the can. But we kind of 
we sanitized some of them before and then took a break and then sanitized the rest. But I was saying I wish we had kind of sanitized them all at once and then just had them ready to can. Because I thought it would have been a little easier just to have them all ready and to go. So a bit a little bit faster. But you can if you don't have the space to do that, you can definitely, you know, sanitize maybe 10, fill them up, sanitize another 10. Yeah, I also didn't when I factored in canning, I th- I totally anticipated canning in our home brewery but it just the amount of equipment that I had in there and everything it just wasn't conducive to setting up more of like a 5s like you don't want to be running around to try and sanitize to prep the cans to dry the cans to can to fill so we set up in our kitchen mm-hmm. um, so that's a great place because you want to be somewhat kind of like in an L shape for your design I think works really well for if you're working with two people and I've noticed that kind of in breweries too, they're canning at like at Widowmaker, their canning was kind of an L shape. They had their cans already sanitized Mm -hmm. in a line. They had the canning machine and then they had someone after the canning machine after it went through the wash and it added the beer and then like palletizing it. So it kind of, it seems like it's a good flow, Mm -hmm. I think. And one of the things you had mentioned was like the bottleneck and this is like one of those things where you don't necessarily want the beer to sit open to oxygen after you fill it. Yeah. So I think we like adapted really quickly to realizing that mm-hmm. being like, hey, I can't run the machine and then and fill at the same time. Like it's kind of counterproductive. Yeah. Where we also don't want oxygen to get in that can because we take so much pride in purging so you want to purge the can with co2 before so we'd use our beer gun we'd go in we it's already sanitized we'd purge it there's like a little trigger on the beer gun purge it with our co2 then instantly just fill it from our keg which connects right with our beer line going into the beer gun fill it up and you want it to be foam over the top so that there's no space for oxygen to come up place the sanitized lid from the can on top. top And put it on the machine and let it rip. Let it rip. Let it rip. Yeah. So one of the things, I think you did this. I didn't know you did this or that you should do this. So this is a new, this was a new learning experience for me is to store the cans in a cool place before you do the canning. So it prevents it from foaming up too much when you transfer the beer into the can. Like I never knew that was a thing. I didn't think that that would make an effect on it at all. So I think that's a good a good tip to give people, especially live in a, if you live in a warmer client, client, yeah. If you live in a warmer client, <laughs> oh God, client. that's dark. If you live in a warmer climate, then something to take into consideration when you're going to can. Yeah, and this was actually a tip I picked up from another home brewer who had an issue where they were in one of those warmer states and he went to go fill his beer in his cans and the foam, it was 90% foam in the can. So he was having the issue of like burning through so much of his beer going through the can to just get the can full. Cause you don't want to have it all foam in the can either because after time, when you have the can sitting there, that foam's going to come down and it's just going to be empty space and someone's going to get half a can and be like, what the heck's going on here? Yeah. So definitely like, like at least for us, I kept our cans stored in our basement in the in the box before we sanitized or anything. So that was at a cool temperature. Uh, so it was, they were ready to go when I pulled them, we pulled them out before we sanitized. So that's definitely like a good tip. And same with your mm-hmm. beer. You obviously don't want your beer to be at room temp when you're mm. filling your cans. Yummy. So make sure you put that keg into your either fridge or kegerator or whatever, and just have it in a cool place or basement if it's cool enough. And just do that before you're going to transfer your beer. Mm -hmm. Another thing you want to do before you actually start putting beer in the cans and canning them is to test the seamer. So filling up a can with water, putting it into the machine and running it, and then making sure that the seal is properly um, on there so you don't get any leakage. Yeah, and between the two canning websites, I think the October one, the more expensive one, had a better better set of like interactive videos mm-hmm. that you could watch and more instructions. Like the cannula didn't even come with like a physical thing of instructions. Yeah. So, so you kind of had to like, ass- like 
when I say assemble, it's not really assembling. It's like turning a couple screw, like screwed in levers mm-hmm. and stuff. But nothing told you, you know, this is what you should do before or after. There's two videos online from Kegland, which is who Cannular uh, makes the company makes that the, makes yeah. the canning machine. But definitely the October one was better at like doing interactive videos and the maintenance you need to do and stuff. But I found that it was pretty straightforward. Yeah, it was pretty intuitive. I don't, I mean, I it, was like, how does this work? And you're like, this is how it works. And I didn't even read a manual. And I was like, oh, yeah, And it's more like common sense too, I think. it. It's only if you get the machine and it might be at a wet, like our, we were lucky with our machine where mm-hmm. we tested it with water. So we didn't waste a can't, God forbid, we wasted like 16 ounces yeah, of right. our beer. But we tested it with water first just to make sure the seams were aligned. And it was also when we put the can up there, we could tell that it was tight and it wasn't loose. So if it was loose, we would have had to make some adjustments using Allen wrenches and that kind of things, which probably would have gotten a little more complicated. But because we went with the 16-ounce can that it came with, we didn't have to mess with any other rollers or anything it was pretty straightforward yeah and i thought of well we ended up giving the can of water to my mom because she doesn't drink so we said here's some craft here's some craft h2o but i (laughs) was also like oh this would have been so funny to put a if you do do labels put a label on it and then if you want to play a prank on someone you just give it to someone don't tell it's water and then see how they react but it it could be called like this like name the beer like the sobering beer and yeah, it's your like friends you only whip that water, beer out when like your friends just ridiculously drunk and they're refusing to drink water and you just like here's this craft beer here you go and they like look at the label like this is sweet man this is the sweetest thing I've ever had that's, like, <laughs> that's your fantasy that's not my <laughs> fantasy that's never my fantasy no 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 oh, that was such a weird impersonation anyways <laughs> no that is not a fantasy I didn't of mine. mean that way I meant like that's like your how you envision this happening so I'm being like. This is sweet, man. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Oh, gosh. Okay. What? Any other tips, James? Yeah. So an, another tip is, so I use a lot of uh, spring water or we have plastic gal- like gallons of water or two and a half gallons of water that we use during the brewing process. So we save those instead of initially recycling them. And we found these are really great at being a holster for your beer gun. So I looked up online like a lot of different things that people have done to kind of so you don't have to have one person holding that beer gun because if you hit the trigger, beer will shoot everywhere, which was the first time I used the beer gun. I think I mentioned it in another episode. It shot everywhere and I didn't have it in anything. So I had to do a lot of like floor cleanup after that. Luckily, it wasn't on like carpet or anything. But it's one of those things where it's just like a natural like holster, like the opening. So I, what you do is you just take your either ga- plastic gallon or two and a half gallon water jug and you fill it with your sanitizer water mix. And then you just holster the beer gun and that kind of rests in. The- you put the, first of all, you put the container on the counter or on a surface. It's not a holster like you don't wear No, yeah, you around. don't wear it. It's yeah. not like you're like a gunslinger with like your I mean, I guess belt. you, oh my God, I guess you could. That would be so heavy. Oh my God. That'd be kind of cool. Oh my God. You just gave me a brilliant now idea. I'm picturing you walking around with two gallon jugs. Use the gallon the jug on the side of my body and then just have the holster and just be like, wham, I'm going to, oh my God, that's so cool. Like I'm quick totally, draw. I'm totally doing that. Okay. I'll I mean, you don't take have to, a picture when you so do you it. don't, you don't obviously fill the entire jug with no, no, no. water. Just enough, for the... just enough to get the the end of the gun in there or even just like the whole shaft of the gun if you and Shannon just like trying not to laugh while I'm describing this I just want to say that's what she said so bad (laughs) well there you go you said it okay so you just yeah it's a great holder for it like the spot where the cap is it just naturally rests like the beer gun on it and it balances it out enough so you're good to go put that obviously close to your canning machine so that you don't have to reach a lot to do it as well because then you're kind of like reaching over something you're gonna drip beer it's also not ergonomic there you go you don't want to hurt yourself getting in a workers comp accident 
And I mean, like, something else that I think a lot of people, it's kind of intuitive, is setting up an assembly line to methodically sanitize your cans, fill them, and then seam them, and then dry the cans after. So a lot of the reviews on both machines actually said that, like, be prepared. It's going to spray beer everywhere in your house, and, like, people are in, like, a panic about it. If you don't think that's going to happen... <laughs> mass panic. Mass, mass panic. is like, if you don't think that's going to happen, like, what do you think happens when you spin something really fast and there's li- liquid on the outside of something? Yeah. It's going to fly everywhere. So what do you do to mitigate that? You can wipe down the can quickly before you put it in the canning machine. Yeah, but then I tried that, I think, one of the times when you weren't looking. And when I wasn't looking because you didn't want to mess anything up. Well, and so, but then, like, if the top is not secure yet. So when you try to wipe the side, even if you're doing it very gently, like, barely touching it, like, it's still, the beer, like, is so high to the top that it kind of splashes over a little bit anyway. So it, I thought it was better just to do it afterwards. Yeah. Like, just seal it up and then wipe it down. We had a pile going, or not a pile, but we stat- we put them on some trays and then wiped them down afterwards. Yeah, so what we did was... When she means like a pile, what we did was after we had filled the can, we had kind of like a towel flat on there. We'd do a once over. Drying mats. Yeah, like a drying mat. We used one of those, put it on there, and then we had kind of like your baking sheet. You can use baking sheets or something flat um, that can kind of pull, like even like plastic tubbleware would work or anything, and just put the sealed cans on that. So that it doesn't get all over the place on your countertop. So it just kind of collects there so that you can just wipe it down. Also wipe it down, obviously, before you put labels on there. That's kind of a common sense thing, but definitely good to mention. And the other thing we want to mention is there's also ways that you can kind of build your own splash guard on canning machines. And you can use the same... like. If you have plastic gallon, we, if we keep use, wanting to reuse the plastic gallon of water jugs, yeah. you can cut those to make kind of like a plastic visor almost on the sides. In our two and a half gallon water jug, we were able to use that handle. So like if you picture like your water company's two and a half gallon jug, you can cut along the seams on those, but keep the handle so that you end up with two base, basically two flat sheets of plastic on one on each side and then your handle so if you wanted to you can put the can that has even like the beer dripping down the sides into your canning machine you then with your left hand or right hand whatever hand you use (laughs) okay i don't know there's left-handed people there's right-handed people there are some people are ambidextrous there you go you just hold it in front of you in front of the can turn the steamer on and as that spins the can, you're just holding that visor there, and it's going to splash all on that plastic guard. Take that away instantly after you move it. Usually it's like there's two seams, so you got to move getting lever one way to do one seam, and then the other way to do the closing seam. That's how both of them work. And there you go. You won't get splashed. It won't go all over your room. You can prevent pandemonium. Yes. And if you don't, I mean, we tried to mitigate splashing as much as possible, but I would also recommend having something nearby for the floor. So if it gets onto the floor, you can wipe it up and keep it nice and dry. You don't want to have any slippery floors. Yeah. So, Chen, I know you're not, you weren't too familiar with why you would can beer over bottling or just kegging or just drinking it. Yeah. What's the benefit of doing the cans over those options? So some pros to canning is definitely it blocks the oxygen from entering beer. And when I say purge, I mean all that means is we're just adding CO2 to displace that oxygen out of the space. So, mm-hmm. so I know, know when I start, I'm like, purge, purge. I'm like, I get what purge is, and I'm thinking like a purge, like get rid of. So that's what purging means. So you just... Adding CO2 to get rid of the oxygen from entering the beer because the only spot where you want oxygen in the beer is when you have your wort and you want to introduce oxygen so then your yeast can eat up that oxygen and all those sugars to make your 
your beer. That's the only spot where you, you want to oxygenate your beer. Okay. Can I guess a can I guess one of the cons? Yeah. I mean I mean cons. Can I guess one of the pros? <laughs> You're just all about the negatives tonight. Um is canning better because it's light blocking? Because I know when you have like a lot of companies when bottles are more popular than cans, they were darker colored because they didn't want the sunlight to get in or the light to get in. Yeah, exactly. They so don't want the lights to get in. Out all the light. So it's definitely one of the more preferred storage for most style beers. So again, this kind of leads us into one of the cons of canning beer. So if you're going to brew a Belgian triple or some of your oak age brews, obviously canning isn't going to be the solution you want because those could could require yeast additions and other additions and also require higher CO2 levels than what you'd be able to do in a can. Um, so it might be better to bottle in that case, you're saying, or keep it like in a keg? Keg or barrel at that point, or even yeah. bottle because you're adding stuff in post-fermentation, mm-hmm. and there's different things you need to have happen post-fermentation versus like your IPAs and your ale, standard ales, and that kind of nature that you might not can until the very end. So mm-hmm. like on a home brewer scale, you wouldn't go into a can if you're doing a Belgian triple right away. Okay. That makes sense. And another benefit is that it's recyclable. Yeah. It, cans are very recyclable mm-hmm. and aluminum is actually one of the most recyclable materials out there. And it takes 90% less energy to recycle aluminum than it is to create aluminum from raw materials i did not know that so this is kind of like a pro con thing so a lot of companies out there reuse and recycle the like make their cans out of recycled aluminum which is what we want because that reduces the energy to make it but creating new aluminum new cans out of new aluminum from raw materials that takes more energy so that's not efficient you'd be better off with bottles like, you could potentially purchase your cans that were made from raw materials, which technically is not as good for the environment. But then you're going to be recycling them. So it kind of is right. like a... So it's like a... Evens out. Yeah, it's like a... You really got to trace the source. Yeah, so it's sure. kind of hard to do on, like, a home brewer's, like, scale, I guess, like, to be mindful of where you... I mean, you could if, if that's something that's really important to you is making sure where you're purchasing from originally is using recycled materials, you can definitely find that information somewhere. I mean, and the other pro is, like, the transport costs, it costs less to transport cans because you can transport mm-hmm. more using less trucks and everything. So that's really why canning is like really beneficial, at least in the craft beer industry. Like they can do more pallets of cans and they last longer on shelves than your Yeah, your longer bottle. shelf life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so- it's also like we, we talk a lot about craft beer and how it's very like active lifestyle mm-hmm. and a lot of people have like outdoor activities. Social. Yeah. Very yeah. social. And people want to like share and bring it to different places, different destinations where glass is definitely a no go. Like you couldn't bring glass bottles before. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I know I've backpacked before with a couple of glass bottles before, but it's like, you can't bring nearly as many can- mm-hmm. as cans, and especially if you want to share it with other people and then you bring it back to you. It'll just make your load a lot lighter to have cans. Yep. So it's kind of like a change in, I don't know. And a lot less dangerous because glass cans could break. I mean, glass glasses, glass bottles could break. And so if you put them in your backpack, they could break, and then you've got another issue on your hands. Yeah. So one of the cons of canning is obviously the cost. So mm-hmm. that will prevent a lot of people from getting into it. I mean, like we said, like even 500, that's a lot of money. To get into for canning. Well, so there's an upfront cost. I mean, it's definitely the upfront cost, but it's it. after the fact, it's just can. So, I mean, yeah. So it's really, if you're, what do we say? It was $75 for one and then. Yeah. And $70. $99 for 200 cans. Yeah, so, so for me, it's more cost effective on the cans after the initial cost. Yeah. It's just it, a higher upfront cost. It's just a higher upfront cost because bottles, 90%, I don't get back like, the people that I give to, like, I get maybe get 20% back of the cans and then can't, the bottles I still have to buy 
So it's like you're still buying bottles, which is expensive. I mean, you're still have to buy the cans too, but I feel like you get more cans. In you get the case way than more. You do. Yeah. yeah, I can only like I bought like they come in like cases, so I think I bought like four cases of bottles before, and I'm all out now. Like I have like one case maybe left of bottles, but it's also like a tricky thing because it's like bottles. You almost don't want to bring places because you either have to have like the transporting. It's a lot easier to carry cans to a party than it is bottles. Nope. <laughs> Shando's you can fit that. a lot more cans in a backpack than you can bottles, and it makes a lot less toys. Shannon holds the record for how many cans no, I do of not. That alcohol is... she can have in a backpack. That's a farce. My mother listens to this. Mom, that's not true. No, it's totally true. It's not true. Shannon was in a sorority, so she knows how that's, to be classy and fabulous. True. But anyways, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, the other negative that people report about canning beer is the trace amounts of BPA in their cans, which is a synthetic compound that can be found in the lining of aluminum cans that creates the barrier between the aluminum and your liquid that Mm -hmm. you're going to be consuming. But guess what? The FDA has stated that trace amounts of BPA aren't harmful, but studies are still ongoing. And that's just me being the science, not that I am. Yeah. (laughs) I have to include the FDA. (laughs) Probably the only time... Anyone's mentioned the FDA in a beer podcast, I'm sure. Maybe. I don't know. Never know. Whatever. Okay. I have a fun fact for you before you quiz me. Fun facts with Shannon. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, so beer cans debuted in 1933 with Kruger Special Beer in Newark, New Jersey. And it was a 3.2% ABV beer. So almost a non-alcoholic 1933. beer. Great. Yeah, almost. It was very low. But at the time, I think that was probably pretty spot on for the alcoholic yeah. beverage market. True. Also, this just made me think of something else. I can prove or I feel like I'm definitely embodying my beer intermediate status because at work, my boss was at, we were planning an event and my boss was asking me about what different, she's like, oh, what's Bodello's? And I was like, well, I could tell you all about that. So she was like asking me questions. She was like, this is great. I could just sit here and ask you which beer is what and what it's like. And I, you could just tell me. And I was like, yes, I can. So you have a game for me, James. What is it? I'm ready. I do have a game. So I anticipated that you would have some history for us. So by the way, in this podcast, if you are listening at home and enjoying a craft beverage, feel free anytime Shannon comes up with a history fact for you, take a drink. So some fun <laughs> no, facts. there's a drinking game. Okay. There is. Just like my like. So anytime I say like, just make sure you like you um, drink. Like, um, okay. like ums and okay. just assign um and like and you'll be good. Cool. Let's go. I'm ready. All right. Pumped. True or false. Beer cans can give beer a metallic taste. False. Black bear. True. You oh, are correct. No, no, you are true. You are Wait, correct. That's right. I'm yeah, right. I'm just messing that's what you're with trying you. to say. <laughs> yeah, false. So it's the metallic taste. If you drink a beer out of a can and it has a metallic taste, more likely than not, it is something in the brewing process, not in the can itself. So as we mentioned, um, a lot of can cans out there have that protective layer, so the beer will never come in contact with the aluminum. Gotcha. So. Ding, ding, ding. Woo-hoo. If we had crickets right now, maybe we would Crickets? I don't know. Why? I got it right. Yeah, you did. So maybe celebration then. Maybe. What's the next one? True or false? Beer and cans keep beer fresher by preventing UV rays from entering. Oh, my gosh. It's like I knew. Do, do, do. True. Mm-hmm. It's like I knew this. Yeah, true. Like Woo-hoo. It's like you knew it before I even I know. Look at me go. This is terrible. I should have come up with harder things because you're a beer intermediate now. Yeah. You have the badge to prove it. Man, damn. That's a good badge. (laughs) Okay. So, yeah, true. Um, Because it blocks the light in the UV rays associated, UV rays do not enter your beer. Awesome. True or false? 99% of all beer cans are made out of aluminum. 
So this is overall, not just today. Uh, hmm. I'm going to go true again. You sure? I don't know. Maybe. I, I already won because I got two out of three. So I'm just going to say true. All right. Well, Shannon's right. Yay, true. 99% of beer cans A. are made out of aluminum. I say I don't get many Bs. So I was getting there. So uh, this is one of those things where a lot of craft breweries and people that watch like the stock markets and everything else, the price of aluminum. I know uh, maybe this past year, year ago, price of aluminum has gone up. So there was a lot of concern in the craft beer industry on the effect that would have on the price of beer. So a lot of people mm -hmm. have seen the rise in cost of beer in stores and so one of the contributing factors is the cost of aluminum so that's just something that i never really thought about yeah, i didn't think about that with either. like embargoes and stuff like that with different countries where they produce mm -hmm. most of the u or at least in the u.s their aluminum so that's just something yep to keep track of and breweries don't want to charge you more for their beer that's like the number the, one the last thing they want to do misconception that i see a lot of like Oh my God, like you're charging us like 50 cents more for this beer that we've had for years and whatever. And it's like the brewer's like, yeah, well, you know how much that's costing us for those aluminum cans that you're enjoying? Like, there you go. Well, also, don't complain. Just support your local businesses. Exa exactly. <laughs> exactly. But that's a conversation for a different day. Exactly. And so it's just like, a keg being emptied. So, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Double Hop Beat Podcast. Follow us on our Instagram for our latest homebrewing and craft beer adventures. Direct message us at Double Hop Beat Podcast to share your experiences and become part of the pulse of brewing. You can also listen to us on our website, www.doublehopbeatpodcast.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Cheers by rating and reviewing us. This, this has been, been Double Hop Beat. Catch, Catch you on the brew side. side.